What if we told you that you don't have to walk in darkness anymore? Sitting on the THP Online Community Podcast, we're going to talk about that. Hello and welcome to the THP Online Community Podcast. I'm Dallas, your media pastor here at The Healing Place. I'm so glad you've hit play on this podcast today, whether you listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, or on Apple Podcasts, however you found us, thank you. Thank you so much for being part of our THP Online Community. For this week's promise, Pastor Scott's going to be taking a look at John chapter 8, verse 12, which talks about how Jesus is the light. However, the greater context is a very interesting and sometimes controversial passage about the woman caught in adultery. How does this story about this woman relate to the passage at hand? Well, today, Pastor Scott's going to walk us through that and help us to really understand in context of the story, what really the effect of Jesus being the light has in our lives and how we can walk that out in a practical way. I wanna encourage you to lean in and take some notes and really allow this message to challenge you and change you. I also invite you to reach out to us at mediahub at thpshreport.com or any of our social media platforms, just look for thpshreport and let us know how this message has encouraged you, challenged you, maybe, maybe even helped you to take a next step in your walk with God. Beyond that, I want you guys to reach out to us so we can know how we can be praying with you. At The Healing Place, we genuinely care about you. We genuinely love you. And we want to help you take your next step with God. So reach out to us again, mediahub at thpshreport.com and let us know how we can be in prayer with you. All that being said, let's get into today's message. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Hey, let's take a deep dive into our promise this week. John chapter 8. We're going to be in the gospel of John chapter 8. And we have an amazing promise today. But something I'm excited about is getting into the meat of it and what's going on in this scenario. Listen, the word of God has something to say about every single area of our lives, every scenario, every situation, every circumstance. The word of God has something to say about that. And today we're going to look at a situation that is super intense. It's a situation that we could look at from a lot of different viewpoints and get our eyes in a specific way. We can see ourselves in this a little bit, attitudes that we may have, behaviors we may have. And then what does God have to say about that? I don't know about you, but for me, in my behaviors and my attitudes, things that I see about myself that maybe I don't like, I have to realize God has something to say about that. And not only does he have something to say about it, but whatever he has to say about it is going to lead me to be less like those behaviors and attitudes and more like him, more like his characteristics. So we're going to be in John chapter 8. And our promise this week is John chapter 8, verse 12. Now, we're going to go ahead and read that and declare it. But then we're going to go and we're going to read a couple of other things. So come on, join with me right now. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. What a great beginning to a promise from the Word of God. I am the light of the world. Now, here comes the promise. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We are not the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And if we follow him, if we are in Christ, then we will not walk in darkness. Why? Because we have the light of life in us, which we know is the Holy Spirit. That Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, his spirit to live 
inside of us. And then out of the Holy Spirit comes this amazing fruit, come these amazing gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Evidence that God is working in our lives. A reflection of who God is. That we were creating the image of God. A reflection of who God is. And now that we have the light, that light shines out of us and is evidence, right, of the presence of God. An amazing promise. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But Let's go back and let's take a look at a scenario that's going on. John chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is termed kind of the adulterous woman, right? So, an adulterous woman kind of faces the light of the world. Now, in the original manuscripts of the Gospel of John, most scholars agree that this particular instance wasn't necessarily found in the original manuscripts of John, but almost all scholars, quote-unquote, uh, unanimously say that this event occurred. It was an actual event that occurred and also that it was in the timing because it's at the end of a feast and the last day of the great feast. And so most scholars agree that this indeed does line up with this timeline. So John chapter 8 and verse 1. Now, what's going on here is that the religious leaders have come against Jesus. Jesus is really prophesying about the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of them. And Jesus begins to, to speak about who he is, and he's being rejected by the authorities and by the religious leaders. And so everyone goes to their own house, right, on the last day of the great feast. And the last day of the great feast is typical of new beginnings, a new start, many different typologies within the feasts, right, the feast of the Lord. So everyone goes to his own house. And then, John 8, 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, we kind of know this about Jesus, that when he goes to the mountain, it's really a time that he's going to commune with the Father, and he's going to listen to what the Father has to say. He's going to pray. He's going to seek the face of God. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, now early in the morning, he came again to the temple. So Jesus comes to the temple, and all the people came to him. What a, what a great word. Like, Jesus just simply goes to the temple, and all the people are coming to him, like they're gathering around him. They want to hear what this teacher, this rabbi, has to say. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So they sit down, they're in the temple, they're sitting down. Jesus is teaching them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees bring to him. Now, here come the scribes and Pharisees. Now, notice the scribes and the Pharisees are not with the people. It said all the people came and wanted to hear Jesus. Well, all the people, but not all. All the people, the common people, but the hierarchy, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones who were being threatened by the authority that Jesus was bringing because it was tearing down all of their laws, their man-made laws. It was breaking down the system. It wasn't just a religious system, but a political system. And Jesus' teachings were counteracting that. He was breaking, he was turning it upside down, right? So the scribes and Pharisees bring to him, which means they weren't amongst those being taught, because in all actuality, they didn't think that they could learn anything. They already knew it all. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, now set, S-E-T, not S-I-T. So they bring her into the midst. Now think about how uncomfortable this is for everybody. 
Jesus is teaching everyone in this, uh, in this setting in the temple, and everybody's intently listening. All these people come, and now all of a sudden this woman who had been caught in adultery is just thrown into the midst of the crowd. She's just thrown in as the centerpiece. Now, we can see right here the scribes and the Pharisees are trying to make a point. They want it to be public. They're trying to humiliate Jesus. And verse 4, they said to him, teacher, they even recognize him as teacher. Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, don't allow your mind to go too far into this, but she's caught in the act. Now, we don't know if she's completely stripped naked or or what, but we know that if she was caught in the act, they didn't sit around and wait for her to put her clothes back on and everything. They have basically grabbed this woman. They are dragging her out into the street. They are now dragging her in the midst of this scenario. And now it's not even about the woman. It's about catching Jesus. It's about tricking Jesus. It's about exposing him in public for who they want to say that he is. Okay? So now it's not even about the woman and also the fact that they bring the woman, but if she's caught in adultery, there had to be somebody else, but they're not bringing the man. They're bringing the woman. They're using her as a tool to get an expected end, right? Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Verse 5, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him. Verse 6, they're not doing it really to stone the woman. They're doing it to test Jesus. Now, they want the stoning of the woman. They want flesh. They want blood. Because that's what the law says. I need to have flesh. I need to have punishment, right? Testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So here's the scenario. Think about all the different viewpoints. Have you ever maybe been guilty of what the scribes and the Pharisees are doing? Like literally you're trying to bring somebody forth for accusation, maybe even to build up your own self. And it's okay to admit that. You know, there are things that we do sometimes, and it it may look like one thing, but underneath it is a motivation that is not pure. Maybe we're demeaning someone to elevate ourselves or to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, and in that, we just need to repent to the who? The light of the world. We need that darkness out of us, right? So have we ever been that way? Have we ever kind of brought somebody and accused them? But also think about it in terms of the one being accused. Imagine that you're the adulterous woman. Imagine if you are in the midst of doing something and it's exposed and it's brought out publicly and you're just brought out, exposed in front of Imagine the feeling of this. And then imagine where kind of Jesus is in this whole scenario, that he knows that they're trying to test him. But yet here's this woman, and you have to believe, knowing Jesus, knowing the characteristics of Jesus, knowing the compassion of Jesus, you have to know that he wants to run to her. But in this scenario, remember, he went to the Mount of Olives, which means what? He was communing with God. What did Jesus say about communing with God? I and the Father am one, and I only do what I see the Father doing. So in this scenario, Jesus may want to run to this woman, but he's not doing that. He stoops on the ground, he's riding on the ground. Now listen, there are hundreds of scenarios of what Jesus is riding. We really don't know. If somebody says they actually do know, they don't know. There are a lot of different things it could be. 
but we're not going to get into all that. Here's the point. He wasn't paying them any attention. <laughs> like he was not giving them any room. He wasn't looking their way. They're here bringing accusation. Who do we know is the accuser of us, right? Who's the accuser of the brethren? It's the devil. And so many times we're so focused on the devil and we're giving him so much of our attention, we're not even focused on what God is saying. We can't see what God is saying because we're paying so much attention to the devil, the accuser. Jesus pays no attention. And in this scenario, I got to think the adulterous woman, she's being brought in front of Jesus. She's got to know that everything hinges on what Jesus is about to say, and he just pays it no mind. Like, what is she thinking now? Jesus stoops on the ground. So here it is. He was sitting. She's standing. She's thrust in the midst. He was sitting. Now he gets even lower. He's stooping to the ground, and he begins to write with his finger on the ground as though he did not hear. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, so they continued. They're just coming forth. Accusation after... I'm trying to trick you. I'm trying to trick you. So when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up. Now he stands up. And here's what he says to them. He doesn't go into this big, long speech. He doesn't doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't even address the woman. He speaks directly to the accusers. Here's what he says. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Jesus puts it right back on them. They're trying to put everything on Jesus. He puts it right back on them. And he says, listen, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. Think about that for a second. You're the accuser. You brought this woman. You really think you got Jesus right where you want him. And all of a sudden, with a simple statement, Jesus stops you in your tracks. Something so simple, just a statement. And all of a sudden, everything stops. How do you know that, Scott? Listen. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He's like, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He goes right back to doing what he's doing. Verse 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, so that one statement by Jesus silences everything, and now in their own conscience... We know that their conscience had to be seared and hard. They're trying to catch Jesus in an act. They're trying to to get Jesus to a place where they can bring him before rulers and ultimately have him crucified. That's even beginning right here. But yet it says they were convicted by their conscience. One word from the Lord can convict a heart. We get so bound up in trying to be the answer for everybody. And we're trying to tell them all these major statements, and we're trying to give them all the answers instead of just going, boom, here's a simple truth for you, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is well able to transform your friends, your family, those that you want to see come to the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is well able, and He wants to use you not for something complicated, but maybe something just very simple. He who is without sin casts the first stone. And it says, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one. They're leaving because they know if they're the first one to cast a stone, then Jesus is going to come back and go, no, 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 you got sin. You got sin. They're going to be called out for who they are. They're trying to call out Jesus, but they're being called out right now by the Holy Spirit. Like God's presence is calling them out. 
He's almost like arresting them in their own hearts. Went out one by one, and I think this is maybe not funny, but it's super interesting. Beginning with the oldest. So like the oldest are the ones that first go, "Mm, I, I can't do this. It's almost like their life experience, they're like, "Woo, I got a lot of sin. I can't throw the first stone, and I'm wise enough to know that I don't need to. I'm out of here. Then it says, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. So it kind of gives this connotation like the youngest is kind of holding out. Well, no way. Like, I'll grab that rock. I'll grab that stone. I'm not going to, I'm not thinking. I don't have wisdom. I got a lot of passion and fire, but not very much wisdom. I'll throw this stone. But as they see everyone else leaving, the younger have to look and go, hmm, maybe this is not such a good idea. I think I'll leave too. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. This is such an amazing picture for me. All the accusers came, and God spoke one word. And guess who was left in the scenario? Jesus and the woman. Did you know that even right now today, You may feel like accusations are coming at you. The enemy's trying to bring condemnation to you. The enemy's trying to trick you or deceive you into something. And God's trying to come into your realm right now and speak a word. And when he speaks that word, guess who's going to be left? You and Jesus. That you are never alone. That God is with you. And when the accusations come and all those things, and the enemy tries to come and say, oh, you're not, you're not a child of God, and oh, you're this, and you're this, and you're this, and all these accusations trying to catch you in the act. If you would simply allow Jesus to come in the midst, step into your situation, and speak a word. You simply allow Him access to your life. The accusations will be gone, and the only thing left will be you and Jesus. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? So what is he doing? He's not just telling her what's going on. He's asking her. He's not just saying, Hey, lady, your accusers are gone. Why? See, God comes to us not always giving us a statement, but sometimes a question. And why does God do that? Because He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to take our next step. He's not going to make us take our next step to grow. He wants us. So Jesus could have said, listen, woman, your accusers are gone. There's no one left. Here's what's going on. But Jesus says, where are your accusers? Are there none left? Who has condemned you? She says this, no one, Lord, out of her own mouth. Listen, today, you need to declare what God is saying. You need to declare what God has done in your life. No one, Lord, that's my faith. That's my testimony. That's not just you saying it, Lord. That's me saying it because I believe it. It's my faith, not my grandmother's faith, not my mother. It's my faith. It's my relationship with you. I'm declaring none, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. 
The word of God is clear. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who what? Are in Christ Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. And what happens now? Go and sin no more. Man, here's the kicker. What did Jesus say right after this? In verse 12, I am the light of the world. What does light do? Light exposes darkness. It exposes the accusations. Jesus is the light. When Jesus said, when he spoke it out of his mouth, he who is without sin casts the first stone. You know what happened? Light came to darkness. Gossip, backbiting, accusations. There was darkness. When the scribes and Pharisees, they tried to bring darkness. But Jesus spoke light. He is the light. And it pierced the darkness and it exposed all of their, all of their uh, motives. And it says they were guilty by their own conscience. Why? Because the light exposed their motives. And now Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Light has come to darkness. Your adultery was darkness. Light has come. Neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Why is that key? Because you know what light does? Light gives us direction. It shows us where to go. The Bible says that your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to show you where to go. Jesus said, go, and here's the directive. Here's the guidance. Here's the direction that the light gives. Sin no more. Why is that so important? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What is he telling the woman? You've been forgiven. Darkness is gone. Now, go and sin no more. Live in the light. Because verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to them, not her. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Who's them? The accusers are gone. Scribes and Pharisees are gone. The adulterous woman, she's going her way. Jesus spoke to them. Remember the original people that he gathered together to teach? They've watched this whole scenario take place. They've heard everything. And now Jesus said, here's the lesson. I am the light of the world. And he, what is it? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The woman, the adulterous woman, did you hear what I just told her? Go and sin no more. She doesn't have to live in darkness of adultery anymore. She can go and sin no more. Live in the light of life. Man, I love Jesus so much. Because he is supernatural, he is higher, his ways are above every other, but then, bam, so practical. He who is without sin casts the first stone. I'm bringing light to the darkness, and it's going to bust all your motives wide open. Listen, you may have darkness in your life today, and the light has come. And he hasn't come to expose you, to humiliate you, but to restore you and to heal you. Listen, surgery a lot of times hurts. The recovery from that hurts. Why? Because we're being healed. Sometimes we think healing is just about feeling better, but healing is a process. When healing is brought to you physically by a physician, there is normally a process of recovery so that you can walk in complete healing. There may be scars, but not open wounds anymore. And it's the same with Christ. His light comes and exposes the darkness. Listen, her adultery had to be dealt with. Hear me on this. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, your adultery doesn't matter. 
If so, he would have just said go. But her adultery had to be dealt with. So what did he say? Go and sin no more. What he was saying is, your adultery was sin. Daughter, your adultery was sin. Don't think that just because you got rescued out of this scenario that I have forgotten. That was sin. And it was destroying you. It was darkness. But now I have come. The light has come to you. and You no longer have to walk in darkness. Go and sin no more. Be free. Let the light of life, right, flow through you. Man, I just love this, this passage. I love this promise, but I love the truth that is all around this entire scenario. Because I don't know about you, but I can totally relate in all these different facets. Man, I can relate to the people who are ready to hear Jesus and all of a sudden something weird happens and it's like, what, like what's going on? And then you just watch God move and you don't do anything. You don't move. I, I can see myself even in the scribe and Pharisees of, of maybe going, hey, I don't want to be checked for what I'm doing in my own life. How about if I bring this person? They're doing something worse than me. Let me accuse them to make myself feel better. I can see even my own behaviors and attitudes in the adulterous woman of being feeling guilty and condemned and shamed and everything in public in front of all these people, feeling naked and ashamed and all alone, but yet having Jesus come. And then having that shame and guilt and condemnation go away and it being just me and Jesus. No more darkness, just light. And I can even see from the point of view of Jesus, of maybe looking at somebody who's being exposed and humiliated publicly and just thinking, man, I I need to do something. I need to say something, but yet knowing that God is saying, no, 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 hold off. Just wait. What am I saying? What am I doing? Then do that. Don't react. Don't try to run in to fix everything. Take a breath. Be still and know that I am the Lord. And then when the Lord speaks, maybe just a simple statement. You know, there have been times I've prayed with people. And there have been times when I have, I have prayed with people and I said something so simple. And so simple that I didn't even remember that I said it. And just walked away, prayed for the next person, walked away. And then that person come back like years later and go, oh my gosh, I'll never forget that time that, you know, you, you prayed with me about this, and man, it changed everything. And, and I'm like, I don't even remember it. It was so simple. But it wasn't me. It was the light coming to the darkness. And in that simple statement, Jesus met that person in their, in their moment of humiliation, exposure, grief, guilt, shame. Jesus met them. The light of The light of the world met them in their darkness. And that's what God wants to do in all of us today. Wherever we we may see ourselves even right now playing out in our own scenarios, in our own daily lives. It may not be us being thrust in the middle of a crowd, being exposed or shamed, but it may just be in our own hearts like the scribes and the Pharisees. The Holy Spirit today is like checking us. And our own consciences are being being seared a little bit by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's just like moving 
And even in ourselves, we're going, man, there's some things in my life. I Like I need to get through my bitterness and unforgiveness because there are actually things that I need to be forgiven for. Or maybe we've been wanting to run into a situation and save somebody. Listen, we can't save anybody. We can't save their soul. That's Jesus. But we can't wait to hear what the Lord would say and then respond, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Jesus can meet that person. And so wherever you're at today, you pray that way. I, I want to pray for you, yes, and with you, yes. But even more than that, God wants to hear your voice. No, Lord, my accusers are gone. He wants to hear your voice. See, God's not coming to you today to tell you where you're at. He already knows. He's coming today to ask you, where are you today? Where are your accusers? What about that adultery? What about that? What about that? Hey, by the way, your accusers are gone. I have come. The light has come. Go now and sin no more. So let's just take a moment together. Lord, we thank you. What a great word you have deposited in our hearts and lives today. What an amazing promise you have given to us. A story of shame and guilt and and brokenness, disruption, chaos, confusion, all of it is happening. But in the midst of it all, Lord, we hear these words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Lord, would you come today? Would you expose those things in our own lives, attitudes, behaviors, that are shrouded in darkness. Bring your light. Let your light shine in our scenario. Lord, forgive us today for any attitudes or behaviors in which we set up a, a roadblock between us and you. Lord, may those things be removed today. And Lord, if it is that we have sin in our lives, may we know today, God, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, our enemy. Jesus, you came to destroy all the works. And so we open our hearts and our minds to allow you to do that. And we thank you that in that, you come to us and you say, hey, where are your accusers? Today we say, and Lord, you speak those words to us. You say, neither do I. Neither do I. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now go and sin no more. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today and this promise. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, if the Lord has done something in your heart and life today, would you please let us know? Oh, we so desire to hear your testimonies and even to hear about, you know, some tough scenarios that maybe you're walking through, but God gave you some hope today media hub at thpshreport.com prayer requests testimonies healings miracles salvations whatever we want to hear about it would you please let us know media hub at thpshreport.com i love you guys i appreciate you and may the lord bless you